And welcome aboard Costume Station Zero. This is Bob Mitch, and today I'm talking to a really good friend of mine who many may know from A Survivor's Triangle, a Doctor Who fan film where he played the 13th Doctor. He's also been seen at Gallifrey One, Florida Supercon, and Dragon Con in uh, various Doctor outfits, including the 10th Doctor, 11th Doctor, 8th Doctor, and of course his 13th Doctor. So please welcome John Reed Adams. Hello. So, John, I, I like to I like to start at the beginning with everybody. Uh, what first got you into costuming? Um, well, what started? Um, I went to uh, FXCon 2007 to promote, uh, pre-promote uh, Survivor's Triangle. So I went dressed up as my prototypical doctor, just to, as a kind of way of showing, hey, this is what our doctor is going to look like. And what really shocked me was that even though it was a prototypical design, there were actually people like selling going, um, "Are you the doctor?" Mm-hmm. And that kind of took me off guard. So basically, the fact that it was actually getting such good, solid reaction um, so preemptively before we even did any promotion shoot, the script was only just finished. So we were amazed about how good it looked. So I was like, going, and then I was looking around the convention, seeing other people dressed up. I saw Ghostbusters. I saw wonderful uh, superhero cosplayers. And I saw, I saw someone dressed up as the fan of the opera from the beginning of Act Two when the band was you know, in that elegant uh, costume. I was like, this is incredible. I got to, you know, this is this is something I got. And ironically, that's right when I met uh, my wife, uh, who is known on the cosplay circuit as Fallen Angel. Mm-hmm. And she kind of opened me up to the cosplay circuit after meeting her at that con. So she kind of opened my eyes to it and realized how much fun it is. So that's kind of what got me into it. And you would consider that your first costume then, your original doctor? I would say so, yes. Mm-hmm. Did you have a lot of exposure doing this, say, for Halloween's growing up, or was it just sort of a... Oh, Halloween was, was just as good as Christmas to me. Um, and also the fact that when I became an actor in uh, high school, I just viewed um, acting as kind of like another way to basically celebrate Halloween outside of Halloween. So I loved getting getting all dressed up in costume, no matter what. Oh, of course. Yeah, I, I always say uh, a lot of cosplayers are, are basically just uh, attention <laughs> seekers at heart, and uh, <laughs> I see you're no exception. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, another way I kind of viewed cosplay, I kind of view it as um, street performing, sure. almost, mm-hmm. in a way. I mean, especially if you get into the character, if you know the character and you love the character, and if you can exude the character, it's street performing, basically. Um, one character, especially in the round Dragon Con, which I've gotten, I've scared children with, is I do uh, um, Heath Ledger's Joker, and I do the voice, I do the... Um, the physicality. I even came up with my own scar story, which really freaks them out when I give them that because <laughs> they're course. like, "Oh man, this guy's creeping me out." He's even got his own scar story. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, I know some people um, are, are more about just making the costume or wearing the costume, say, as a fan, just, you know, as, as Scott says, flying their colors. And then there's others who are positing like you that, oh, I want to act the character. I want to be like a mascot at a theme park and uh, and do that. So that's totally where you firmly lie, then, mm-hmm. is you want to not only dress well, but you want to really act the part and do the mannerisms and do the poses and everything. Well, I do believe it is important. I mean, if you're going to be the character, at least, you know, if your costume can look as best as humanly possible. I mean, unfortunately, they do have the resources in Hollywood that we don't have. Um, I mean, of course, any Doctor Who cosplayer can attest to that because the costumes that they come up with on that show are wholly unique to just that show. I mean, that you have to basically come up with some very creative means to even come up with something that looks remotely similar to that. Depending on the costume. Yeah, depending on the costume. I mean, even Matt Smith's initial costume when we first saw it Tweed jacket, uh, you know, button-down shirt, bow tie. That should have been the simplest costume to man, you know, to be. But then you realize the texture on that particular tweed, and then to boot, the print on that shirt is mm-hmm. not normal. Mm-hmm. And then to add on to it, you know, you're you're not sure if his pants are wearing are like a form of slacks or are they denim. Being me, I've I've been in that position where I'm trying to figure out. You know, as close as possible. Yeah, you know, and also its budget is another factor. Of course, so. no, completely. Oh, totally. So you have to work within the limits of your budget and whatever, I mean, whatever is available to you at the time. I mean, sometimes, I mean, it depends on your talent. I mean, I, so, I mean, I fortunately have, you know, a wonderful, you know, wonderful uh, wife who knows how to find stuff online, and she points me to those to that direction. And then there's a lot of times where I'm. Um, where I'll just like randomly browse to try and find something and I'll find it. So it's, I mean, it's, it is a wonderful achievement to make it. I even say it's more impressive to make your costumes. I'm always, I'm in awe of people who make their costumes, but when you're a guy like me who who's terrified of sewing his hands together, (laughs) it's a relief when you, when you can actually find it, find what you need by alternate means. Uh, agreed uh, completely. Uh, so when it comes to because uh, when you talk about the eleventh Doctor, um, if you want just the look, if you're not concerned about you know thread accuracy, achieving that look is fairly easy and fairly cheap. Um, I've had this discussion with Ewan about uh, when we broke down the eleventh Doctor costume, and uh, that is the nice deceptive thing about it. But yes, if you want to take it to the nth degree and nail all of the uh, ID brand mm-hmm. names or even the stuff that isn't a brand name, and you want to get it really really close, you're right. It it can get very yeah. crazy very quickly. I mean, sometimes, and it, I think it's a matter of compensation in some respects. You know, I mean, you have, if you can't be completely 100% accurate with, you know, the, the material or just the look or, or just the, the elements of the costume, you compensate by basically trying to do your best to exude the character that you're portraying. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've, I've seen many wonderful um, tent doctors who whose coat may not have been like 100% on the money, but didn't matter because he just exuded the character and was seriously into it you loved it because he was like just living it up being this character and you were and you're like i'm live, i'm this is as close i'm ever going to get to david Tennant ever yes uh a lot can be said for attitude and uh what i call mm-hmm. the sum of its parts factor um mm-hmm. if they're if they're lacking in one area usually they'll make up for it in, a, in another um long time ago um actually are you familiar with the film the warriors yes Okay, well, basically, I there was a time where I was crazy retarded for that film, um, mainly because of uh, Rockstar's incredible video game they came out with it. They came out with a couple years back, um, and I saw the film, loved the film, and I was like saying I'd love to 
you know, be one of the warrior, like get a warrior's vest. Mm. They, I didn't know if there was any way I could ever like get a commission done of it. And, and Lynn actually guided me. She actually gave me the, um, blueprints on it. She gave me the patterns on how to make just a basic vest, which, cause fortunately their vests were basic. She told me just get red imitation leather. Um, and she showed me the rudimentary, the, the basics on how to make the vest. And I was even, I was able to make the vest. She taught me how to line it. And since I didn't know how to get an embroidered patch on the back, I just painted it myself. Mm-hmm. And and the ultimate vindication I got for it was um, at the convention, um, some of the cast members from the movie were there, and they went nuts. They loved it. And they were even more impressed that I painted on the, the Warriors logo on the back as opposed to uh, getting a patch. <laughs> so it, it's the little things. I mean, it, you could walk around a con and... No one pays attention to you, but when you get the approval of the person who is actually in the, you know, the said, you know, franchise that you are representing, mm-hmm. and they approve, then that makes it all the worthwhile. Completely, completely. Mm-hmm. I, I've always said that the uh, the celebrity approval or, or anyone who is involved in in the design of the costume approval is awesome, is equal as uh, kids responding to yeah. a character. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could actually, I mean, you could imagine this last at this last Gallifrey when Paul McGann was there, and oh, no. I was dressed up as as him. I was terrified because I was afraid I was going to come off like single white female. Well, um, <laughs> well there were a lot of eight doctors running around that guy. Well, that made me happy because he's such a thoroughly underappreciated doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, you know, as I was like, oh, God, I'm about to tell this guy he inspired me to be an actor and I'm dressed up as him. This is going to come off as really freaky. Uh-huh. So then all of a sudden I approach him and he goes, oh, there I am. And I'm just following his lead. There I am. Uh-huh. Right there. So, so fortunately, because he was so wonderfully you know, wonderfully enthusiastic about the fact that someone was dressed up as his doctor, I guess that, that helped. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. So that was nice. Getting kind of giggles from replica, you know, from trauma of how nervous I was at that incident. So, well, sidestepping uh, a little out of cosplay, can I, can I ask uh, what got you into Doctor Who and, and who is your doctor? Oh, well, I guess I pretty much answered that. Paul McGann is actually my doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll have, I'll proudly say that. Um, Back in uh, 90, I actually saw a movie when it aired in 96. My eldest brother, um, he watched the show back in the days of Tom Baker, and um, he heard about the TV movie on Fox, and he's and he was out. He couldn't be at home to see it, so he asked me to record it for him. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, press record, and I was on the computer, so I was like, you know, in the vicinity of it. And then all of a sudden, little words like 13 lives, um, time and space travel, you know, all that stuff, and and just the realization that the, the the blue box floating in the space mm-hmm. and the room that the that this old guy seemed to be in was actually the inside. <laughs> old I was guy. like, well, I didn't once again. I know, I know. Not knowing. Um, so then I look in. I was like, wait a minute. And then I just realized I actually got this, this is like the first time for me since Ghostbusters that I've actually been in, I've encountered such originality. Mm-hmm. And with that, I was and that's, and I just immediately put away what I was doing. Unfortunately, that was homework. <laughs> and um, and uh, just com- was completely transfixed, transfixed by it afterwards. And just and seeing Paul McGann, well, seeing regeneration, the whole concept of regeneration for the first time, and then seeing him turn to Paul McGann, and Paul McGann being just so amazing in the part, just blew my mind. And immediately I had to pursue this. And fortunately, my brother knowing what it was, and then in turn, my mom, uh, you know, knowing it and exposing me to it, that all made it, you know, basically built me up to be the epic Who fan that I became. 
That's pretty fascinating. I'm, uh, I've always felt that the, uh, the TV movie doesn't get enough love. Um, I know it's far from perfect, but I actually quite enjoy it. And uh, so, uh, Here's what I say to anyone who disses the TV movie. I'm like going, oh yeah, and Time Lash and Delta and the Bannermen were works of art. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I exactly. Yeah, Doctor Who had far worse uh, entries in the TV movie <laughs> prior to that. It's just so much was riding on it, unfortunately. And uh, oh yeah, I can I can understand you know where chagrin comes in. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot of people how a lot of people reacted to Crystal Skull. Yeah, um, I could see that. I, I, I no, better better example episode one. Better example. Episode <laughs> that is one. probably a better example. Um, but you know, I I do like the TV movie, and it's always uh, really cool to hear about the people that did get into the show from the TV movie because it did do some of its job. I mean, I do know people that that was their first exposure um, yeah. and it did lead them down further into the path, you know, so. Yeah. So when, when people ask very old who knew who I'm like, I'm kind of limbo who. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, technically you're old who technically that gets yeah. the old who, but uh, mm. classic who, classic who, classic who, classic who, I'm all who. I don't. I, I try not to make any differentiation. I'll just say I'm all who. All who. There you go. All who. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you've done. You've done several doctors. Uh, you've done an original mm-hmm. doctor of your creation. You've done uh, obviously your favorite, Paul McGann. You've done uh, Matt Smith from Closing Time. Uh, yeah. And uh, you've done, of course, um, the drunk tenth doctor, which is when I met you. Actually, you were doing a really, really fun ten with the tie around your head and the fake glass and everything. That was loads of fun. So, out of all these doctors, what has been your favorite? to do um i'll say I'll, I'll always default on eight just because he's my doctor but also i i also love the the fact the i seem to get the most reaction because you have a bunch of people who are like wow, i've never seen anyone do eight before and mm-hmm. i'm like i've seen a lot of people do eight but yeah it's still nice that it, i just feel like i'm representing some like a, an aspect of the show that's not represented as well mm-hmm. as it should be so I, I i like doing eight the most i mean i love doing um Ten and eleven because I love their personality quirks and they're fun to emulate. But eight I love just because I feel like I'm I'm representing an era that's not as wholly represented as well. Mm-hmm. So that's I guess that pretty much is all I can say about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you and, and Lynn and Miriam did some uh, really awesome uh, TV movie photos with the you know, the Master and Grace with the the console and and even on your own. Um, in the halls and mm-hmm. stuff. I, I love seeing those shots. I was like, ooh, hey, the whole cast from the movie reunited. Oh, yeah. We actually, that is actually my wallpaper on my PlayStation 3, the picture with me, Lynn, and uh, um, Miriam on our, uh, you know, right next to the console. It's a beautiful shot, and I love looking at it. Yeah. 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 And kudos to you guys for putting that thing back together again. It was just, I felt the power, you know, being in the vicinity of that thing. <laughs> Thank you. You felt the power of the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, most consoles I encounter, you just flick a button, it does nothing. You guys actually, you flipped the lever, and it did something. Well, I mean, big kudos to uh, both Paul and uh, Brian on that one. They were the well, geniuses all of you guys, there. All of you guys. Mm-hmm. Wonderful job. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and hopefully uh, it'll be making a return appearance in uh, 2013. Oh. So. <laughs> You're like, oh, ooh, another shot at it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you uh, do you have any plans for any uh, variants on the uh, the Eighth Doctor look, what, what, like from the comics or the the toe tag and the sheet kind of look or anything? Um, I kind of I I, I like keeping to the yes. Yeah, in the, in the case of Eight, since there's not really, ironically, you could you could chalk up my version to be in the comic version because in the comic version, he actually did wear a black. He was an openly black coat. I mean, I remember in the beginnings 
of the comic strip, whenever you saw a color print, they did it as green. Mm-hmm. Little bounce it gets, yeah. Yeah, it is a very strange fabric that they chose for it, but I'll be damned if it hasn't had fans scratching their heads over the years. <laughs> but I was rationalized. <laughs> but I was rationalized when I got it, when I got the code, um, uh, that I was like, well, you know, I'll be the comic strip version, because in the comics, he, you know, his original coat got destroyed, so he got a replacement that was black. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I feel fine with that. I'm still eight. And actually, it was even better, because right when I debuted that costume, uh, there was another cosplayer who did uh, um, a character from the comic strip, uh, Faye True Scott Sade. And I was like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Faye telling me, yes. yes, it works. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's... Uh, uh, oh, no, it's, I, the, the reason I remember is because, you know, my first coat was black, and I met McGann mm-hmm. in 2010, and I said, so what was the color of this coat? And he said it was green, and I'm like, ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was like so frustrating. Like I mean, we'll never get this right. I know um, a lot of people are talking about McGann's new look that he's got sporting around, and I admit I'm not particularly happy with it. A because it doesn't feel like the character of Eight. When I look at it, I, I look at it and I don't see Eight. I see, if anything else, like this weird transition between Eight and Nine. Agreed. Yeah, it just it, it seems like he he saw Eccleston's look and he's like, oh man, that's a great look. I should emulate that. No, he doesn't feel right. It doesn't. I yeah. I I know some people like to dismiss the Eighth Doctor's look as uh, what do they call it, identikit Doctor or something. And I I really like it. I think it suits him. And uh, a, a subtle uh, progression from that look is fine, like any other Doctor. And if you've seen uh, June Hudson's alternate designs from um, in her class, uh, they're really nice. I mean, they feel like Eight, but they're a nice progression of that look and palette. And uh, I can see that. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I, I do agree. I, I'm not a fan of the leather jacket look that they're sort of mm-hmm. going to finally use for big finish. So I, I was going to ask you that. Like, what what's your thoughts on that? And I, I get the impression there's a bit of a backlash on that one. Yeah, and I I mean, unfortunately, big finish seems to be embracing it. And and I'm like, oh, well, what can you do? What can you do? So yeah, I mean, I'll still I'll still stick with the look because that's the look that we that we know him for. So. Agreed. Agreed. Well, yeah. I, I put it like this: Tom Baker, the scarf. Uh, who's going to do the talons look because he doesn't wear the scarf? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or in uh, does he wear? Um, uh, they haven't come out with a DVD yet, so I haven't seen Zygons yet. But does he wear it in Zygons? He does. Yeah. He does. Okay. All right. So you, you've been going through some some really um, some neat stories and costume. Do you have any other favorite moments doing this hobby where that stand out for you? As um, you know, this is why I do this. Um, okay, I would say, well, I would say this is going, to, uh, viewing over to the Joker, actually. Um, I think probably one of the most fun I ever had doing the Joker was, um, admittedly, I'm, I, I, I do, I get a little sadistic sometimes when I, when I cosplay the Joker, but one of the fun things was you, it's weird how parents react when you have, when they see the Joker and they have kids. The parents don't think anything of it. They're like, you know, and they see the Joker, and this is Heath Ledger's Joker, mind you. It's not animated series, series Joker. And they go like, oh, it's a Joker. Go on, little Billy. Go on, little Billy. And this child's like about four years old. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and go on, little Billy. Go, go to the Joker. This, and now, the kid's way smarter than the parents. They're telling their kid to approach a clown with scars on his face, because I actually use collodion to create the scars, and carrying a knife. And the parents nudging the kid to go, go, go to the Joker, go to the Joker, <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like going, and I see the terrified look on the kid's face as he as he's being nudged, and the kid runs behind the parent. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I do, I I put the knife away, and then I get on my knees, and you know to tell the kid, it's okay, you, you know, come on over, 
you can even punch me. You can even punch me. And I let the kid, I let the kid do a little kid-like punch. Yeah. And, you know, we do a picture, and I go, now go kick your father. <laughs> and he does. <laughs> and the dad can't do anything about it because <laughs> the dad laughs his butt off because, you know, because the kid basically, because he just realized, oh yeah, I just put my, what if that guy actually was like a psychotic clown? Yeah. So that, that, that's probably one of my favorite stories to tell regarding, uh, cosplay is just, you know, how, how the kids are receive the character a lot better than sometimes the grown-ups do. Nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. true, true. It's mm-hmm. it's really amazing to see the uh, the reaction kids have when you're a character that yeah. really hits home with them. Yeah, and you know, in some cases it is it is always fun, you know, even and, and sometimes kids don't even think about accuracy. They don't think about they just think about, "Oh, it's the character, it's that character." You yes. know, and they and they love it. Um and and that's all they and that's what they love. They want to see their char- their favorite characters come come to life. It, it totally, yeah. I get it more uh, when I do superhero cosplay, exactly. But uh, mm. it's it is great when they come up and uh, they literally say the words like, "I, you know, I just saw you on TV, or I read of you in a comic yeah. book," and you know yeah, that you they're referring to is not you. It's it's the character, and it's awesome. Well, yeah. But once again, you feel like the extension of the character, and the yeah. and the young ones just look at it just like it's a lot like uh, when they go to Disneyland and they see Mickey Mouse, and they they don't know any better. They think it's actually Mickey Mouse. Yes. Yes, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Very rewarding stuff. Um, on the on the flip side, of course, I always ask what what's been some of your uh, costume uh, mishaps or or uh, <laughs> experiences you're willing to share that fall on the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, I never really think of anything as a mishap so much, but I will say there were parts portions where I will say I did kind of laugh a bit. Um, I'll say one incident which cracked me up, and it's not that the costume was bad or in any way it was ill received. Um, matter of fact, it was just funny how it's some, uh, one of, one of the th- things about Dragon Con and another reason why I urge people to go is that they have no fear of doing obscure costumes from mm-hmm. just the most random things. I mean, we saw people doing Pushing Daisies costume, costumes there. Um, they, I mean, we saw space balls. We saw, um, I mean, I, I, one of these days I'd love to get some friends together and do a Hudson Hawk group. Oh my gosh. Wow. Oh man, I would love to do a Hudson Hawk group just because I love Hudson Hawk. Uh-huh. Um, well, one year, uh, Lynn and I did, uh, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Um, I did, um, Heath Ledger's character Tony, and Lynn did a wonderful rendition of Lily Cole's character, uh, Valentina. Mm-hmm. And we looked amazing, and anyone who knew it, they were like going, oh, it's Imaginarium, that's, that's great. I, and some people who knew about the movie, they said, now I have to see the movie just because, you know, you, the, the fact that there's so, so, such love for the film, you know, now I see that there's so much, such love for it that, I have to see it to see what encouraged people to do this. Well, the funniest part, well, we're just sitting there waiting for, I think we, I think we were waiting for a photographer because we we're going to have a photo session with this character, with these characters. Well, some people came up and going, Oh, I got to get a picture of you. He looks great. And then, Oh, you look fantastic. Are you from Bioshock? <laughs> and then I looked at each other and we're just like, no, um, flattered as we may be, you know, we're from the imaginary Dr. Fantastic. And it was like, What's that? And he's like, oh, it's a Terry Gilliam movie. It's like, oh, I love Terry Gilliam. Well, I, I, I think it was the year that Terry Gilliam was actually at the con. I think that was one of the reasons why we did it. But um, either way, uh, that's neither beside here nor there. But that was probably like, I wouldn't say it was an embarrassing incident, but I'll say it was just, it was just one of those enjoyable, enjoyable moments. But it, it's still funny to tell. It's funny to tell. I, I uh, well, you know, I also like to ask, what's the most common or strangest misidentification you've had in costume? Would that count, or do you have another one? That would probably be it. Mm-hmm. That would definitely be it. I can't, I can't say I've ever had a moment where people didn't know what I was. Actually, no, there is. Uh, I can tell you one other incident 
where we weren't even cosplaying at all, mm. where we weren't even cosplaying at all, and some guy came up to us thinking we were from something. Uh, and bear in mind, yeah, and uh, basically what happened is we're at Florida Supercon. It's a casual day. We 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 drove down. We were only going to be there for one day, so cosplay was just a little too high maintenance. Uh, we just wanted to be there to meet Bruce Campbell again. Mm. Um, and um, so we're just in our civvies. I'm dressed up in a flannel shirt, long hair, because that was the year of the Joker for me. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I'm wearing a Watchmen t-shirt because, you know, I'm a big fan of the movie. Sure. And some guy approaches us going, oh, man, you guys are great. Are you from Sliders? What? Yeah, we looked at each other. And we knew the show. We loved the show. I can, I'm like going, first off, I look nothing like Jerry O'Connell. And I know, and I, I only saw the first season of the show, but I recall that he did not have long hair down to his shoulders. Yeah, I'm stretching a little to think who they thought. And you're not holding a timer or anything, right? So. And, and no, we weren't holding anything. And I'm also wearing glasses. And I also remember the character did not wear glasses. And I would be immensely offended, even though I love the man. I would be immensely offended if he said I look like John Reese Davies. Wow. I mean, I didn't see the last season or, or so of the show when it hit sci-fi. But I, um, from what I know of it, I'm like, all I can think of is maybe, what was his name? The... Um, the semi-reg they had for a while, Benish, or maybe Jerry O'Connell's brother who showed up later who did have longer hair, maybe? I'm stretching. Maybe. Really like stretching. Said, only, like I said, I only saw the first season when it was on when it was on Fox. Right. I mean, after that, I, I kind of dropped off. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> that, I would say, is probably the best uh, misidentification, and ironically, not even not even while we were dressed up. So, that that's my favorite story. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and nowadays, nowadays it just appears that you seem to be more normal if you do go to co- go in costume to a con. <laughs> well, there is that um, side effect that happens when you have uh, a lot of friends you make uh, during cosplay who mostly see you in a costume at a convention and rarely out of costume, whether that be you know in or out of convention. So it, it does become a stranger experience to hang out with that person mm-hmm. in normal civvy attire. Yeah, I think I think I wouldn't be surprised if like the first time you saw me outside a costume, which I can't even recall if you ever saw me outside a costume. I'm sure you you had to do a double take to try and remember who I was. Uh, yes and no. I mean, it's like I recognized you. Um, the the worst was is if you meet somebody who's in some kind of full helmet or makeup, and then of course you have no clue when you see them in yeah. life. But uh, it's amazing <laughs> what makeup and wigs do to change someone's look to the point where you do have to stop and go. Wait, who, what, where, how? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, well, the, well, the funny thing is, for me, I love messing with people's heads because one thing I'm, I know is notorious about me, and I know a lot, a lot of people like um, wonder about this, but and I, I know there's still some people who are unsure about this. But when I'm the doctor, I don don't, I, I don't have a British accent. I, 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 I'm permanently embedded with an English accent mm-hmm. whenever I'm dressed up as a doctor. Oh, any, any character requires an accent, I will put on an accent. I remember that. But, Oh yes, mm-hmm. and it's and yes, yes, you could call it method, and I and I and I would be hard pressed to even try to, you know, argue the point. But you know, but that's that's the way I roll. So I mean, literally, the only person I will drop character for is Lynn, because you know, so that's so that's what I do. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, one problem with actors, accents are contagious, especially if you know how to do them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, yes, uh, I yes, I was in theater. I remember. <laughs> Let, let's let's go through a couple of costumes here uh how did you approach i mean um here's my thing you did your first 10th doctor 2007 2008 uh 2000 i believe it was uh the 19th gallifrey so that was the, i think the 18th or mm-hmm. the 2008 okay 
So yeah. how, what was your approach to putting together the 10th Doctor costume back then, uh, you know, in some um, of the early days of discovering, you know, where to get stuff for that costume? Well, ironically, I got that costume as a gift uh, from, from Lynn. It was our first Christmas together. I moved in, and I told her how I really loved uh, the, the blue suit that Ten wore, just because I'm a big fan of blue. Sure. I mean, I had nothing against the brown suit, but, but I love the blue suit, and... Mm. Um, Lynn got a, uh, she got a commission, uh, for me as a, as a Christmas gift. I mean, cause at the time I, you know, we were still, you know, we didn't have as much money for Christmas, but she poured everything she had to get to me, get me a commission for a 10 suit. And the guy did a wonderful job and I, and it fit perfectly. And, and I learned how to do the hair. So I was like, and so that was great. I mean, like I said, I'm a, I'm a better person to talk to about how to wear it, but I will say there are other people, you know, I mean, I'll say Lynn's a much better person to talk to about how to make him because she is absolutely brilliant. Uh, we will definitely be speaking to her in the future for sure, but um, yeah. uh, I know I'm always just curious to know how people approach doing the Doctor costumes because I know that there there is the, the school of thought of, okay, I sourced it, I commissioned it, or I made it, and usually it's some combo thereof, and uh, I'm also really fascinated to talk to people who are doing this, um, certainly back in the 80s or 90s but before you had the internet and also even 2005 to 2008 when it was still kind of on the rise you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah oh it, yeah i mean one of the things that i'm i'm loving being a doctor who fan right now because back in the 90s leading up to the show coming back it was you always got these looks of confusion whenever you told people that you're a doctor who fan but now it's wonderful that you can bring it up and even wear a t-shirt of it and people look at you going that is a, that's awesome mm-hmm. It's just nice for that for a change of something you know that you love that you love for the longest time, and that finally you get some kind of wonderful sense of um, vindication of the fact that people have finally you know real are seeing what you loved so much about it, and the fact they actually have an eagerness to go back and see the original stuff just so they can be more up on what's happening now because clearly you get more out of it by being by being a fan of the classic stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting turnaround. I mean, um, I I almost liked it because it wasn't so mainstream when I got into it in the '80s and especially the '90s when I'd be reading the books and such. And uh, mm-hmm. I I found that it was like the underdog, and you know everybody likes to defend an underdog. And uh, yeah. and uh, and unfortunately, yeah, by that by that time it was sort of forgotten, and uh, those who did know about it would kind of look at it with derision. And those who weren't fans anyway, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now that it's sort of become hip and popular and, you know, it's got all this nice money and production value behind it, it's like uh, those who used to make fun of it um, at least get it, even if they haven't been converted, and uh, you don't have to sell them on it anymore. <laughs> you know? Well, the, the thing I love now is that you that when people see it now and they see the new series um, and they see how, how the premise can be taken to a broader scale... They now look back on the old series. They don't look at it with derision anymore. Yeah, sure, they'll chortle at the the, the bad special effects, but they'll realize how how the show actually very effectively evolved mm-hmm. as the times went on. Mm-hmm. And they realize it has nothing to do with. I mean, the production values are production values based on what you have. But then they see it, mm-hmm. and it's like, and they see that just by having good stories, um, and just and good good writing, and just a good idea behind it, how an idea so strong can just grow and become something so amazing, so grandiose by, yeah, in 50 years' time. So, I mean, and that's why I'm happy that, you know, Doctor Who's had such a wonderful, um, wonderful renaissance, I would say, at this point, just because of, of following, so. 
That's a yeah. good way to describe it. We are basically in a Doctor Who renaissance right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I know some people who aren't keen on the new show, which I can understand if you're an old schooler. I'm, I'm an old schooler, and I've got a few moments mm-hmm. sometimes where I'm like, eh, but hey, you know what? It's still Doctor Who. It's still on. It's still awesome. You know what? It's still the essence. I mean, the essence is still there. Mm-hmm. Eccentric Traveler travels in a blue box. It's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Mm-hmm. Travels through time and space. Has a constant companion. You know, sometimes one, sometimes two, sometimes even three. Right. And battles crazy monsters all throughout time and space. That's the essence of Doctor Who, and it's never straight from that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the stories are simple, but sometimes they're barking mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that and that's never changed. And that's what's wonderful. Indeed, um, mm-hmm. and that's probably the allure for all of us fans to uh, cosplay the Doctor. Yeah. Um, uh, what well, What's your stance on on cosplay as a term? Do you Do you think of yourself as a cosplayer or a costumer? Um, I'm, I'm a go with the flow kind of guy. If you call me a cosplayer, I'll go ahead and say I'm a cosplayer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll just, in the end, I just, I do it for fun. I mean, I'll say yes. If you call me a cosplayer, I'm a cosplayer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just going to say, um, what would you say is the most important thing you've learned so far doing this hobby? Uh, the important thing, um, I would say more than anything else, um, just have, uh, just have fun doing it. Just rem- I mean, just remember that you're doing it just because you love the character that you're that you're dressing up as, and just and just love the fact that you're in a place that you can dress up at. You're, you're at a convention. You're you're dressing up as a character that you love, mm-hmm. and the fact that people are enjoying the fact that you're doing it, and not think about the fact that people are looking at you like, ugh, I can't believe he's doing that. It's like so immature. No, you're there because you love something, and the fact that people and you're sharing your love, and so just have fun doing it. Throw throw inhibition to the wind. You know, you speak of renaissance for Doctor Who. Uh, we are also really, if you think about it, in a renaissance for uh, cosplaying or costuming. Um, not to say it hasn't been around even since. I can go back as, certainly as far as the 60s at certain sci-fi conventions. I see photos out of people costuming um, you know, superheroes and whatnot. But uh, it seems that in the last 10 years, it's really grown. It's really become much more accepted. Uh, the numbers of people doing it has really risen and uh, it's not like it was, say, in the 90s where, you know, you might get made fun of even amongst, you know, nerd peers <laughs> for doing yeah. it. Nowadays, I mean, yeah, I, I can agree with this because now I've even noticed on a variety of different websites, uh, Collider, Total Film, uh, Rotten Tomatoes even, mm-hmm. they have galleries devoted to uh, to cosplay. In And, of course, the Nerdist has uh, Just Cause. That's right, yep. As well, so that says to me that obviously it's being treated now as actually an art form mm-hmm. uh, practically so um, I, I can agree with that statement that it's growing actually I'm I'm and no I'm not being paid by Dragon Con anyway but I will say um, a true visual representation of how not just you know how the, the the fun of it but just the artistry of it is is at Dragon Con because in the central hub of it, the Marriott, mm-hmm. that's where you're seeing like some insane costume. There was a guy actually dressed up as the Tower of Baladur oh. from Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. with little uh, barricades around it saying, you know, wide load <laughs> around it. But the the eye, the eye of Sauron on top actually like flickered with a uh, red light and all that stuff. I mean, that's how extreme they get, but it's amazing. Mm. You know, just the sheer artistry they, uh, that goes into making it. That's so, yeah. That's like part prop, part costume, right there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, so it's. I mean, it's wonderful. I mean, even even if it's even if it's just you know uh, you know, I hate to diminish it in any way, but I just and whenever I just I when I, I walk, you see one thing about me. I mean, and I, I know you've seen me do it at Gallifrey, but I wander a lot, and I just love observing. Sure. 
And even if it's, well, I guess it's a restatement of what I said before, but one thing I love is just, even when I see someone, you know, just in a costume, just even if it's like the most rudimentary attempt that they can make, have it making it, even if when I see it do it, I, I see the smile on their face and I just like, you know what, they're here just because they love something and they just want to share it. And that's, that's name. That's what I say. It should be the bottom line, yeah. Whenever I see a bit of the infighting and the natural competitiveness that comes in, it it always makes me just kind of go like, I, I get it, guys, but, you know, scale it back. It's it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was going to say that uh, I usually ask, you know, what is your favorite uh, costuming event or convention to go to? But I think you've already answered that with Dragon Con, am I right? I mean, Dragon Con is the one I like to go to when I want to dress up outside of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, this past year, I did, oh, like, one year, like, not this one, but the one past, I did um, uh, Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing, you know, elaborate about it, you know, just a t- uh, Smashing Pumpkins t-shirt and a, and a sword, I, I, even though I did make a sword. But it's like, it doesn't matter. I was having fun being Scott Pilgrim, and I had a great time because I was with Lynn dressed up as Ramona Flowers. Mm-hmm. That's fine, because, you know, that's the place where you go when you want to dress up everyone else. But I will say, because I love Doctor Who above anything else, it's Gallifrey 1. This podcast is quickly turning into a very large advertisement for Gallifrey One. Um, yes, uh, no, no, no. I and I wholeheartedly back that. It is a, an awesome convention. One everyone should check out at least once if you're yeah. a fan of the show. Um, even if you're not a fan of the show, I think it's still actually probably a good time to be honest. But uh, so uh, let, let's get back to Doctor costumes for a second. Now I, I have a pretty good idea how you put together the Eighth Doctor costume and, and the help that Lynn and Miriam gave you. But um, well, you actually helped me on that one, actually. Uh, with the fabric run? No, with the, uh, no, with the, um, the coat. You sent Lynn a link on where to pick up the coat. Oh, right. One of the options that was out there for the coat. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about this. Yes, I'm glad I did that then. Huh? Yeah, on LiveJournal. <laughs> it's through LiveJournal. Right, the, the eighth breakdown? Yeah. And, okay. uh, yeah, you sent, and I think Lynn made it known that I was, uh, that I was hell bent to do the eighth doctor, and mm-hmm. you, uh, so that's but that's how it happened. You basically made it known how to how to get a hold of that coat. Yes. Because according to the market, that coat because it's like crazy velvet would usually cost about a thousand bucks. But we we're but Ling was able to get grab it for sixty. Yeah, velvet coats aren't uh, usually cheap, but uh, yeah, you can you can score some good coats if uh, you catch them on sale or catch them on uh, yeah, as you say, overstock and such. I um I I do recommend to people who don't have the money to commission one or don't have the skills to make one to definitely uh, check. I'll be posting the link again to the eight breakdown and pretty much all the doctors we're talking about here, folks, so you can check them out. But yes, um, definitely uh you know eBay and and uh, a number of these stores can be your friend. Um, yeah, you eBay is definitely your friend. Um, I'll say there's another website I went to to get my 11 coat. Because um, when I saw Closing Time, I love that coat. Oh, the green peak coat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great coat. It's a very strange pattern I've never seen before, but mm-hmm. um, I love that coat. Because I, personally, I guess because I love the Ace Doctor, but I also love the look of the silhouette of the Doctor wearing a long coat. I, yeah. just, feel, I just feel a long coat looks better. I love a tenant wanted to wear a long coat. Mm-hmm. Um I always felt that Matt Smith's look was a little too minimalistic for my for my taste, but then I saw him wear that coat and I was like, "Oh, that looks great." So, um, so I actually found a website that did commissions, and so I commissioned them to make that coat for me. So, well, I, as you do, because uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and there are a lot of good options for that coat as well, which uh, I have listed in the eleven uh, series six breakdown. <clears throat> 
uh, I was going to say that, uh, um, what is it? it? It's loosely kind of like a, a vintage uh, military kind of coat. So some people have lucked out finding something close enough in that range through uh, thrift or surplus kind of stores. Uh, but that definitely not as common as simply just, yeah, find a place that can make it. Because if you really want it in the right color, <laughs> you're exactly. going to have to go there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like you can just find uh, Colin Baker's coat at just any old five and dime. No. No, Colin Baker's coat. Yeah, wow. <laughs> the mountain that <laughs> yeah. I'm still climbing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but actually, what I wanted to get to with eight uh, was um, uh, something that you know, unless you're like my friend uh, Kelly, who naturally has the hair for this, uh, the the hair. What did you do about the the hair? Ah, uh, 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 that that coat, uh, that hair. Um, Lynn actually found that. I mean, we were we were on the search for a wig, but then Lynn. On a random shopping trip, we, she went to a kind of a ghetto wig shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where, somewhere on Orange Blossom Trail, which is like the ghetto street. Uh, she found this, she found this one, uh, wig shop and she found it and she just, and just, she was going, oh my god, that's like the perfect wig. And it was like for 20 bucks. And we compared it to our picture of Palm again on the wall and we, and it was perfect. It, it just, it was absolutely, we didn't have to do any alterations to it. It was it, and I put it on. Even with my long hair, it they, my hair blended with it, so I didn't have to do any kind of extreme tuck. It, it is still, after all this time, it is still my favorite wig. It is the most comfortable wig, and it is also the, you know, the like best um, textured wig I, I ever wore. So I'm, I'm, lo- I'm, it's still my favorite. That's and <laughs> and just I love the fact that of all places you find it, you find it in a place you wouldn't expect to find like high quality wig. I always say you tend to find the the lucky finds where you're not looking or not expecting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's I think that's one of the other joys of of cosplay is you know is you know finding finding gold in like the least likely of places. I mean, you wouldn't believe some place I found some extra goodies for the Joker. So I mean, I, I had to find like because yeah, you sometimes you have to find like get commissions on some things, but there are little aspects of it that you gotta. Um, go to thrift shops, and you're amazed that people actually bought the coat and th- bought the item initially. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, I guess they regretted it because here it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I just think it's one of those things where um, often you think, oh, that'll be easy, and you go looking for it, and sure enough, you can't find it. Or, oh, that's going to be hard, and then you luck out, and within a day, you find something certainly that'll work, if not close enough. And uh, it, it's it's a funny thing, this hobby. You know, it's it's always uh, subverting expectations. I find, but um, you know, you're you're out there in Florida. I'm here in California. Um, I imagine a lot of the places that you go to find stuff in certain areas are probably similar, but in other areas are kind of different. What what are your usual stops when you're putting together a costume in terms of resources? Depends on the, I guess that wholly depends on the costume itself. I mean, um, sometimes sometimes uh, thrift shops are your best bet. I mean, I guess the only way to answer that is if it all sums up depends on the character that you're doing. Sometimes it's just as simple as going to your nearest Walmart or Target. Mm-hmm. Find it. I mean, one uh, one time, me and Lynn did uh, Sookie and Bill from True Blood. Mm-hmm. All I had to do was just get a, a pair of jeans and a long sleeve, uh, a long sleeve uh, cotton shirt or cotton shirt, and just uh, uh, get a wig. I mean, that was uh, simple enough. Just pick up the fangs at our nearest costume shop. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, sometimes, it's, and but then sometimes it's an extreme case where you have to scour the earth on the, you know, on the internet to try and find it. It, it all comes down to whatever character you're trying to do. So, well, you mentioned the the Joker outfit. I mean, where did you find a number of those pieces and, and look out? 
Um, it's a variety of different places. I mean, I got um, I got the coat around the time right after the movie came out. Of course, the Joker was like the sought after costume. Mm-hmm. Hot Topic, bless them, they were selling uh, trip replicas of the coat, uh, the shirt, and the tie. And the tie was and and they all looked and they all looked you know looked fantastic. Um, uh, the the vest I actually had to get commissioned at, because you know where where else are you going to find a, a green a green vest of that particular and it's even still not like 100% accurate but still great and the pants I also had to get get um, from someone who was selling replicas that he himself made mm-hmm. now I, I think that was a, and I think same thing of how Lynn found the socks she actually found the socks um, also on eBay as well so there was that uh, the shoes I just tried to find like shoddy looking brown shoes wherever I could find it and uh the gloves ironically I picked up from Party City because once again right after the Dark Knight came out the Joker was most sought after character so the gloves were easy to find as well um the key thing I had to do was master the makeup that was like a main thing because one of the definitive things about the Joker in the Dark Knight was the makeup right yeah 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 mm-hmm. so um Lynn picked up the the art book uh, that they came out with where they actually laid down perfectly how the makeup was done. And so I, I did that. Now they did, of course, um, prosthetics for the scars. Me, I just did, uh, collodion because, uh, some friends of ours introduced us to collodion and I loved it. So I was like, okay, I'll do collodion. Should I explain collodion? Yes, collodion? please, please do. All right. Collodion is a wicked little makeup appliance where basically, uh, it's, it's just a kind of stuff you apply to your face and it tightens up, uh, that, that particular portion that you that you smear it onto, and it creates an indentation into the skin that um, that creates the illusion of a deeply rooted scar. Um, actually, they do use it in films. Matter of fact, um, Crispin Glover in Alice in Wonderland used it, and um, recently uh, Lena Headey in the new Judge Dredd mm-hmm. uh, uh, used it as well. It's very effective and. Um, the more you apply, it creates a better uh, illusion of a deeply indented scar. Well, where do you get it? Uh, we get it at this uh, excellent costume shop uh, run by, run by uh, some friends of friends, uh, named uh, Century Costumes, in uh, just a little bit east of downtown Orlando. And uh, I know, uh, you know, Paul and uh, Malachi and I discussed the importance of uh, being eagle-eyed when you're at uh, not just a thrift store, but uh, like the hardware store. And such um, for items you can reuse for props or you know work in. Uh, yeah, prop making. Ironically, um, ironically, I've never really had too many costumes that were prop reliant. I mean, the only costume I think, the, ironically, the only costume that I've done that's been reliant on a prop was um, Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I because I was like, well, you know, if you're doing Scott Pilgrim, you have to have the the sword because otherwise you're just some guy in a plum tree T-shirt, mm-hmm. and it's not going to be as convincing. Um, so I got a wooden katana blade. I don't know what to call it. Um, but I got a wooden katana blade and I just, uh, modified that to look like, and I actually used some special, uh, optical, you know, used some special wrapping effects to make it look like it was uh, on red fire and made it basically made it into the sword of love. Works for me. Yeah. Um, so, and then, and that was, and that was the thing that nudged it over the cliff. It was like, Oh, okay. I got your Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> So, uh, with all the characters you've done recreation, um, I want to I want to touch on your original Thirteenth Doctor here. Um, before we we get into how that look evolved, um, what what is your general stance then on on original costuming versus recreation? I'm a big fan of. Uh, I've seen a lot of people do their own takes on the Doctor, and I always 
am intrigued by their motivations on doing it. Matter of fact, I think my first Gallifrey, I, I, yeah, um, first Gallifrey is when I met, met Aubrey, uh, Aubrey West, and right. he had his own uh, 11th Doctor design. I absolutely loved it. I went nuts for it. Yes, and I even remember that. He, he kept his goatee and everything. I was like, yeah, that's great. I'd love to see a doctor with some facial hair. I've never seen that. <laughs> I, I, uh, Peter Cushing aside, I've never seen that. Right, right. Um, so I, I, I dug it. So I love I love it when people come up with their own designs because it's always intriguing. Um, so you you basically happy to do both is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. I'm more than happy to do it. I mean, usually I'll, I'll dawn 13 when I'm basically I'm at any event that's showing the film. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's kind of like a nice way to promote it. But, sure. Yeah, that that's that's the main time I'll do it. But yeah, I I, I don't mind donning thirteen every now and then because it's comfortable. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, how did you decide on that look for your thirteenth Doctor? Uh, I mean, it would uh, well, I would definitely safely say eight was a very large influence on it. But I also took into account since, in context, my Doctor that I was writing was a thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I was like thinking, well, if it's the 13th, I'm like thinking it would probably be a slight collage of his past incarnation. So I took into account the dominant anatomy of his outfits was always long coats, waistcoats, and, you know, and slacks and button down shirts with collars. So I was like, okay, so I'll stick to that anatomy. And color schemes, I tried to be, you know, with the color scheme, I, uh, I mean, I stuck with, you know, solid black because at the time, you know, because also, I wanted to kind of underlie a kind of uh, darkness, which hopefully, if I can keep making more films, I'll be able to show off a bit more with my doctor. So I kept the waistcoat and the pants black, but I wanted to also show a sense of fun, so I kept the shirt. Uh, so with every story I'm going to do, the shirts are going to be like some kind of crazy pattern or color mm-hmm. to show that off. And then the coat, I wanted to kind of... And the coat... The, most, And I'll admit, most of this came out of my closet. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It all came out of my closet. Just be- I, I got the coat because I love because thanks to Doctor Who, I love long coats. Right, right. And but when I assembled it, I was like, I was subconsciously making the Doctor I always wanted to be. <laughs> and but then I just realized this is the way I wanted to be. And the but ironically, this is the funny part that the PA stories themselves, um, which just seems to push the costume over the cliff. Um, and it's always the first thing people notice on it is I have a pin on the left on the left on the on my left lapel right. mm-hmm. of an angel and it has a banner that says never drive faster than your guardian angel can fly. And that always seems to be the thing that always catches their attention. And ironically, when Louise Page came to Gallifrey, that was the first thing she noticed mm-hmm. when I, when she saw me wearing it. And I told her that this is my prototypical design for the 13th doctor. And she was, and she loved it for that. And, and, and that was the thing that just got her attention. So I was like, okay, yes, that works. <laughs> I mean, because I'll say that was the one thing that worked for Davison. Celery's weird, but you know what? It works. Mm-hmm. And for Colin Baker with a little kitty pin. Yes, yeah. I was like, you know what? It's you, Ironically, of the, the fashion disaster as it was, that was the one thing he did right. <laughs> but you remember it. You know, that's yeah. important. And even uh, Tom Baker, one of, my favorite, his, one of my favorite costumes he wore was in City of Death. Mm-hmm. I love the little uh, paint palette. Oh yeah, that he put on his coat. I love that, mm-hmm. and because it was the occasion, he was going to Paris, going to the Louvre. Mm-hmm. It was great. Yeah, no, those little touches. It's uh, it's what gives the costume quirk. It's a character. The that are the little textures you don't always pick up on, but you'll catch on a close up. I always think are really exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, about your fan film, which I thought was fantastic, by the way. Um, okay. Now you you've got uh, more in the works. You, I know you were uh, writing a, a follow up to that. 
Um, actually, I've um, I've written a uh, grand total of uh, I got like three more scripts mm-hmm. uh, for films, and I've actually I'm actually um, a little one halfway through a radio play because I've been such a big fan of Big Finish. I just was like. I was like, yeah, it seems like fun to do radio plays as well. So sure. I'm writing one right now um, as well. But actually, um, as it stands right now, I'm also working on just um, actually right now, very soon, a, a play that I wrote is going to be produced. So I've been focusing my energy on that right now. Awesome. So, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it took me off guard. <laughs> well, you know, you never think that something you do is going to be so good enough that that a theater troupe actually wants to invest money into producing it. But now that it's happening, you're like, okay, nice, nice. Oh, yeah. I see, this is a, this is an original piece, not related to Doctor Who. Uh, no, it is it is totally an original piece. It's um, it's I lovingly describe it. It's a Who Done It where no one done it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see what the press says about that. Right. Right. Uh huh. Um, so, uh, but uh, have you been shooting, um, any more of your, um, you know, sequel fan films or is that just still on the chopping block? Um, it's still, well, right now we're, um, we're in pre-production. We're, well, right now we're actually, um, doing a, um, another, um, fan film. Well, me and my collaborator, Peter Gould, we're actually working on a, trying to get up and off the ground, a, uh, Batman themed, uh, fan film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually called, it's Disciple of Chaos. And because, you know, I've got the Joker costume and, Unfortunately, due to the death of Heath Ledger, we, alas, will never get to see that wonderful portrayal ever again. And with that, unfortunately, we're never going to see what Nolan could have done with Harley Quinn. Oh, was that? I didn't know that. Was that on the uh, the slate? No, we never know. We we don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know because Heath Ledger died. He, I don't think they, they. And Nolan was adamant that he, out of respect for Heath Ledger, that they would they wouldn't even consider it. Um, I mean, that's why actually. Um, the Joker's never mentioned in Dark Knight Rises. Oh, okay. Yeah, he actually said it. it's because of, you know, being loyal to Heath Ledger and just being to pay tribute to him, or just to be respectful to him. We're not just going to make some knowing nod to him in the movie, just for the sake of making a nod, mm-hmm. just to cash in on it. Mm-hmm. So that, that was his, uh, that was his modus operandi. Hmm. Anyway. So, but yeah, that's, so basically we're doing another film. We're trying to get that up and off the ground, a film. Uh, talking, basically trying to do a Christopher Nolan-esque retelling of the origin of Harley Quinn. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah. Just because I wanted to do it. Sure. It just, it, it, I just love Harley Quinn so much, and I, I can only just imagine what she would have looked like in the Nolan aesthetic. Would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, do, you, do you have anything else uh, coming up you're working on costume-wise? Actually, I mean, I'd love to get, um, I'd love to work on uh, getting the fourth doc together, um, Specifically during the time when he was with uh, Lilo, so like during the time uh, the Face of Evil, um, yeah, mainly like the Face of Evil. I think that's probably the, the yeah Face of Evil nearing the end of Sarah Jane, something like that. Season fourteen, the uh, the Burgundy or the Brown Coat. Brown Coat, Brown Coat. Cool, cool. Yeah, but once again, it's a, yeah, that's that, it, it's it's a crazy. Coat. I, I know where I can go to get the coat made. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I got a scarf. I'm not sure if it's the accurate scarf. I mean, I'm. Told them, I don't care. I've got a scarf. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. Sure. You know, people, people, most people look at it and go, you got this, you know, they're not going to pick me off going, it's in the right scarf. <laughs> they'll be like, they'll just be happy that I got one. But most Who fans aren't quite like that. If you get that at all, it tends to be online. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen that. There, there, it, it's, it's, 
it seems like the internet gives people the freedom to be a little bit more negative because they think they're doing it anonymously. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's. Um, I, I think some people do it because, um, in a certain way, they think they're helping, and which is fine. I'm all for constructive criticism. I just think there should be a way to do it where you don't come off negative, and maybe sometimes they don't realize they come off negative. But there well, are definite times where I think they know what they're saying. Yeah, I've had to tell people this a couple times. I had to, you know, confront them on the issue. I'm like, going, yeah, the you know, the internet's great for instantaneous communication, but the problem with the internet is. You're only communicating in text for the most part, yeah. which means that it is very difficult to interpret whether or not what you're saying is either, you know, being helpful or if it's being spiteful. Yeah. So you've got to work. So, you, so sometimes, I mean, emoticons, you know, emoticons are gaudy, but I'll say sometimes they are very helpful. So a lot of times, whenever I'm, you know, doing a joke, I have to immediately put a wink at the end of it to let them know I'm joking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, so that's what it is. I mean, most of the time, I just kind of leave it with, whenever I leave feedback on anything, I just always, as long as it's positive. If it's negative, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things, too, where, you know, I, I try to always be positive and helpful. And, uh, yeah, if I if I don't have anything uh, on those categories or it's just not, you know, like there's not much I can really comment on with, you know, roses or Amy's, you know, it's just not really my thing. Although I'm happy to say, yeah, that, that looks nice. It's great. You yeah. know, um, I just have to just admire from afar and, and not say anything, which uh, I'm a big believer in. But, uh, no, that's that's awesome. You know, hey, uh, you know me, I love four and he's my doctor and, you know, more the merrier, I say. Oh, I, I love, I, you know, I love every incarnation of the doctor. I mean, Lord knows if physic, if I, if physicality weren't a limitation, I'd love to do all of them. But I'll just try to do the best I can with what I've got. You know. So. I hear you. I hear you. Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm one of the few people crazy enough to tackle all eleven doctor costumes, and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I wonder why I did it. And then there's other times I, you know, I see it on a friend or or I get to wear it, and I go, nope, it was worth every penny. <laughs> yeah. In the end, if you feel good in it, and you feel you look good in it, and you have fun doing it then that should be all worth it. Agreed. Totally agreed. Is there uh, anything else beyond the fourth doctor you're looking at doing? Um, you know, the funny thing is, and I know it's driven, um, you know, it, you know, driven Lynn and I crazy just of all the crazy ideas that we always keep churning out and just the stuff that because of either time or money or the fact that a lot of times we actually don't have an opportunity to wear um, costumes, that sometimes it's a, it's a bit difficult. But... Um, uh, yeah, it's funny. I have all these ideas, but then when you try to think of them, they're gone. Um, yeah, the brainstorming and what's really going to rise to the top and be a, a real solid contender. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I know that there are some ideas that have kind of gone to the way by. I know for a time, because I love the movie, you know, I think I was only one of two people who liked the movie. I wanted to do The Spirit. Nice. Um, you know, just because I love the movie. I thought it was, I thought it was great. And, I know I have a friend who does it, so I'm like, okay, so I'm not the only one. Um, so that was one thing. And once again, like I said before, I wanted to do a Hudson Hawk thing because uh-huh. love Hudson Hawk. I mean, sometimes it's and actually, I mean, um, actually recently, uh, Lynn and I were we just blew through the first season of uh, Once Upon a Time. Oh yeah. And, uh, and it's such a great show. I I I knew I was going to enjoy it. I just didn't realize I was going to love it as much as I did. But um, you know, but of course, I'm immediately tickled by doing um, either Rubble Stiltskin or Mr. Gold. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. either or, you know, you know, Mr. Gold would be easier, but Lord knows I could pull off Mr. Gold. I, I mean, Rubble Stiltskin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, fun character for sure. You can tell uh, Robert Carlyle just likes to eat it up. Oh yeah, well, oh, 
and you can tell, you can tell. And I've even, um, there's actually another con which, um, I enjoy going to called Spooky Empire. It's a horror convention. Mm-hmm. Um, one costume I've been tickled to wear is, um, uh, David Tennant's version of Peter Vincent from Fright Night. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I thought he was just, he rocked that role. And I'll say it, that's definitely a good textbook example of a good remake. And that was a costume I was tickled to do. But I, I also enjoy doing a lot of pairs costume with, uh, Lynn as well. Um, Actually, one Lynn came up with, which I think is awesome, and I think it's, and I'd love to do it, is, um, um, Norm, uh, she wants to do post shower kill Marion Crane and me as Norman when, um, when we're, when I'm mopping up the body, so I'm carrying her around while she's wrapped in a shower curtain. <laughs> oh my gosh. Carrying her around. Uh, sometimes we like to get a little demented with our costumes. One time, um, we went to Spooky Empire, uh, as, do you watch True Blood? Uh, yeah. All right, you remember the beginning of episode two when Sookie got the crap beat out of her and um, Bill nursed her back to health, but she was still covered in blood? Uh-huh. Well, that's what we did, uh-huh. where Lynn was just completely covered in blood, and I was, like, covered in blood, and uh, so, so we did that and blew everyone away. They loved it. Yeah. And we also, well, actually, another one we did, which had a little bit of foobarness to it, was um, in Dragon Con, we did um, uh, the film Sucker Punch. I'm not sure if you saw that one. I did, yeah. Okay, well, then you know what happens to the main character at the very end. Yeah. Well, we did that. Oh. And we, and I played the, uh, antagonist. And I did the antagonist. And so basically, I was dragging her around, dragging, you know, Lynn around while she was acting all catatonic and, uh, and, uh, you know, lobotomized. <laughs> one thing I'll say, I have a demented sense of humor, so mm-hmm. if it's something that's just so unbelievably foobar, mm-hmm. I'll go for it. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. The, the extreme choices are, are fun to play, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, and they get, yeah, they get a good reaction. Well, yeah, it, it, whether it be someone going, oh, my God, that's so horrible and so inappropriate. Why would you do that? And then they feel like going, oh, man, that's so horrible and appropriate. I love that you did that. <laughs> Which all depends on, yeah, exactly, the sense of humor <laughs> of the viewer. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let me, let me wrap up with two questions here. First, uh, you've, you've done the masquerade, um, and you've done a lot of Holocaust play. What, what's your view on both? Which do you prefer? I did the, I, I don't really do uh, contests that much, and most of the time when I do, I just go up there, do a little minor performance piece, and then just, uh, you know, go off stage. I don't go in with the intention to win. So I would say, to answer that question, I'd be more, I'm more into Hall cosplay. Mm-hmm. And not only that, because you, the people can see the costume more up close and personal. Sure. So I, I would say that's what it is. I, I'd say that's my answer. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I generally lean that way myself. Um, and uh, sometimes this is the same as, um, you know, what's the most important thing you've learned. But I always ask, what's your number one tip to cosplay beginners? I would say, um, first off, don't, you know, don't be intimidated. You know, every, every, you know, everyone starts with just a little, a little flicker of inspiration. I'd say just, just go for it. Because remember, once again, it's all about sh- sharing your love with something. Even if it's not, you know, the best quality, you just build on it. Don't ever get intimidated that you can't do it. Just do it. Just keep doing it and just keep building on it. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole point, I mean, as Inception pointed out, an idea grows. You know, you have a good idea, you just keep on cultivating it until it grows and becomes something amazing. Mm-hmm. And that's and, and that's why we do anything that's artistic. Completely. Uh, well, I'm definitely going to post some links in uh, this post when it goes up uh, for both um, your your fan film and uh, do you do you have any other place in the web a blog or, or Facebook people can check out? No, no, nothing else. Just uh, yeah, just uh, link to the film. That's pretty much the best <laughs> best representation of my efforts. 
All right. Well, I definitely recommend people check it out, uh, Doctor Who, A Survivor's Triangle. Um, you can check it out on YouTube, right? Yes, on YouTube. We have it both in um, in uh, segmented, you know, like the classic serial format, or we have it in full length. It's definitely worth a look if you're a Doctor Who fan uh, and loads of fun to watch. So um, I think that about wraps it up. Any final thoughts? Uh, to quote Spinal Tap, have, have a good time all the time. <laughs> I love it. That'll be the new T-shirt. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you very much, John, for being on. Right, no problem. Glad to do it. Awesome. And we'll be back next week with more Costume Shop Talk here on Costume Station Zero. 